What a wonderful question to ask this morning for us to ponder what love. When you think about the cross, that God has shed His love abroad in our hearts and His grace is spread to all of us. We are grateful this morning for that. Thank you, Michelle, for that song and uh, Brother West for leading us this morning in choir. And thank you for your singing and your participation in worship this morning. We're going to transition in our sermon series to part three. Now, you say part three, we started this back in October. Yes, we're into the third section, and we're talking about how it matters who you become. We dealt with how it matters what you believe. We dealt with core doctrines. We talked about how your behavior matters. But ultimately, I want us to begin thinking about how life in the Spirit matters, that the fruit of the Spirit begins to rise up in our lives. And that's what we're talking about today is the fruit of the Spirit. We're thinking together about what God produces in our lives and the process by which that occurs. And we begin to think about that in light of what we've always learned in church. Sometimes I think we've looked at the wrong scorecard and we've looked in, in wrong ways. We've tried to produce those fruits in our own lives, but the reality is that's an impossibility apart from the Spirit of God. Now, I've got to tell you, as we approach this time of year, as we begin to think about um, all of the, the things that have bloomed out and are growing everywhere, and we know the heat's soon coming, but we know some harvest is, is going to come. I've seen already some uh, you know, fresh vegetables and some tomatoes and some different things that have come out of various gardens. And I don't know about you, but I love homegrown stuff. Anybody here like homegrown fruits and vegetables? I just have discovered over the years I don't like things grown at my home. And the reason why is because that's a lot of work. It is. And I, I've never been one to, to shirk responsibility or to get away from work. But years ago, I decided I was going to start a garden. Now, I've had great experience with gardens. Well, by that I mean that my grandparents had a garden, and so I've, I've seen theirs, and I've seen some others, cousins and aunts and uncles. So I've, I've had some, ex well, actually what I mean when I say I've had experience with gardens, I like fried okra, okay? That, that's just, that, that's my, about the extent of my experience with a garden. I know that my okra is going to come from somebody's garden. But a few years ago, I started one. I was going to just grow a garden, and I borrowed a tiller from one of the deacons in our church, and I don't know what he had done to this thing, but I think he had souped it up. I, I tilled about half our yard. I mean, I just couldn't stop. Stephanie was afraid for the children. You know, she was hiding stuff. I'm going to till over the fence and the cars and anything I could. I was getting after it with that tiller. And I turned up all this dirt. And I went to the co-op and I got seeds and I planted seeds and I sowed seeds. And I did all that I was supposed to do. And I said, well, now here's the time that I just watch and wait. Wrong. Now's the time that we work and we weed and we water. But the reality is pulling weeds is something that a lot of us just don't like to do. Anybody here like to pull weeds? I'm praying somebody raise your hand. God bless you. I'll see you right afterwards and I'll give you my address. Praise God. I knew somebody would be a, a taker. Anybody in the choir like to pull weeds? No, now all of them are shaking their heads no. We don't like to pull weeds. But we all want a beautiful garden, don't we? It doesn't matter if you're talking about a flower bed with a flower garden growing in it or, or fruits or vegetables. We want a bounty of produce, but we don't want to do the hard work of pulling the weeds. Church, I want to suggest to you this morning that really there's a spiritual correlation there. If we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives, there's some weeds that are going to have to be pulled up. 
We're going to have to get down into the dirt together and, and look at some things in our lives and not just do a, a little surface cleanup, but we're going to have to pull them up by the roots. And we'll talk about that together from Galatians chapter 5 today. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I invite your attention there. We'll be looking at this idea of fruitful farming. And this is just the preliminary. We've got to prepare our hearts for the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives. If you want that to be a part of your life, these divine virtues of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to give you a statement of affirmation just like we have for every other sermon in the series. And this statement comes directly from the Scriptures. Let's read it together. I walk by the Spirit of God so that I will not carry out the desires of my flesh. You see, as I've told you, it matters what you believe. There are some core doctrines that you have to say, these things cannot be changed. These are essential. And there are core practices, behaviors in your life, if you will. Prayer and Bible study and witnessing. We talked about those things as a, a, a function of being a believer. Not that you do those things so that you are a Christian. You do them because you are a Christian. Well, the same thing is true here. There are virtues that the Spirit of God begins to impart into your life that are not natural. It is not the natural inclination of our heart to have love and joy and peace and patience. But all of us want those things. Go back to that spiritual corollary. All of us want that beautiful garden. I, I would dare say there's nobody in here that would, would deny that they want their life to be more loving or they want their life to be filled with more patience or with kindness or gentleness and you find yourself struggling against those things and lacking and I find myself at times just trying to muster up all the love and joy and peace and patience that I can but Paul here in Galatians chapter 5 gives us a scenario that helps us to see the the first steps if we're going to have life in the spirit then we've got some weeds to pull up so let's look together beginning in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5 I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. I want you to look at that closely, that phrase. We'll come to it in a moment again, but now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. And if any of you think that you're off the hook and you go, boy, my vices aren't on that list, he says, and anything similar. He just goes ahead and covers it all right there. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, and these you're familiar with, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now these things belong to Christ. Uh, Jesus have uh, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit or walk with the Spirit or stay in step with the Spirit, different translations might say. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray together and ask God to speak 
through this passage as we consider this idea of fruitful farming of life in the Spirit. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be gathered in this place, to hear from you and from your word. I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, take these truths and, and impress them into our hearts. I pray that your spirit would speak to us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the baptism that we have experienced. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the worship that we have engaged in. And now, Lord, as we uh, feast upon the bread of life, your word, I pray that we would uh, be filled. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, for those that are here today hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look back with me, if you will, for a moment at verse 17. The sinful nature wants what is contrary to the Spirit. I want you to see this. If we want to see fruit in our lives, there are some weeds that we're going to have to uproot. Those weeds are the, the desires of the flesh. And, and I think sometimes we treat our our sanctification sort of as behavior modification. Well, I'm going to try a little harder not to do bad things, and I'm going to try a little harder to do some good things. And in the midst of that, it's like pulling a weed up from just the top. It's like just grabbing those weeds and snatching them up and you're done. But in a week, because the roots are still there, right back where we started from. And it's difficult if we don't do that to, because the work continues, and it's frustrating. I, have you ever had that task? I, I just remember that um, I, I hated as a kid pulling weeds, and I remember my parents would always send us there to pull the weeds. As I grew and understood in maturity why they did that, it's because they hated pulling weeds. And now I get the privilege of passing that along to my children. And they don't quite understand why they have to pull the weeds, but guess what? They don't get to ask that question. Just go pull the weeds. That's what I tell them. But the reality is this sinful desire is contrary to the desires of and the fruit of the Spirit of God. And so today I'm inviting us into this process of, of kind of focusing on them. Now I guarantee you every one of us at some point have been fed up with where we are in our Christian experience if you are in fact a Christian. You've come to the place where you've said, I, this is the year. I'm chalking up a line. I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to experience more joy this year. I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. I want to be more gentle or more faith-filled. And, and you've struggled through that. I'm still not quite the person that I want to be. And so I'm going to do all that I can. But here's what I want you to hear, church. That is such a dangerous, dangerous place to be because the message of the church often is the desire to get to the good stuff with and practical advice for it even. Hey, pastor, teach me. Teach me how to be more loving with my kids or my wife. Hey, pastor, show us how to be more patient. But the reality is that when we do that, the church is asking you to do something that you cannot physically do. You don't have the power to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Only the life and the power of the Spirit of God can bring that to you and to me. And so Paul says to us, you need to recognize that these are antithetical. They are opposing of one another, that the desires of the flesh will choke out the fruit. And you've got to get rid of those things in your life. And it only comes through the power of the Spirit. Now, this process of walking in the Spirit is really what we're talking about. And we're going to ask and answer that question in a moment. What does that even mean? I mean, it's a good thing, Pastor, for you to tell me I need to walk in the power of the Spirit but what gives? I'm going to go to a restaurant in a little while and scratch my head and say, well, the pastor told me I ought to live in the power of the Spirit. How do I do that? What does that look like? Well, I am so glad that you asked because in Scripture today, we will begin to see that together. 
the first thing I want you to see is that you have to pull up those weeds. You have to deal with those desires. You cannot, you cannot ask God to bless your life with spiritual fruit and water the weeds of the flesh. Let me say that again. You cannot ask God to bless you with fruit and continue to water the weeds. I've had this happen in my ministry at several different occasions. Someone walks into my office and they say, Pastor, I'm done with my marriage. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? When you just hear, even hearing the words ring out. I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. I, I want to, but I just, I, I'd love to see my marriage worked out and I'll try hard and that's why I'm here, but I'm just done. And on further investigation, as we begin to dig into the situation a little bit, I begin to see that he or she are watering weeds in their life, watering the weeds of lust, watering the weeds of pride, watering the weeds of, of, of an emotional connection they're getting from somebody else. And I'm saying, you're not going to see this marriage restored in a loving fashion like you want it to be or like you say you want it to be if you're going to continue walking in the weeds of the world. Does that make sense? I see people all the time say, well, I want to be more joy-filled, but they're watering weeds of hatred and bitterness. I know so many people who have lost their joy because they have some kind of unforgiveness in their past. There's some grudge against somebody. Maybe it's a family member. But that joy is gone. Maybe it's because you have harbored jealousy. He deals with jealousy there. It is a desire of the flesh to covet after something else. And folks, when I have lost my joy, oftentimes it's because I have come short-sighted in my view of all the blessings God's given me. And I'm looking at what somebody else has, somebody else uh, in their life has been blessed with. The reality is, you're here today. You said, I come to church, I'm trying. But the reality is you must start pulling weeds in your heart. And so here that leads us to a question before we move back into the text. And listen to this question. This isn't rhetorical. What weeds of the sinful nature need to be uprooted in your life right now so that the fruit of the Spirit can grow? I can't preach a more practical message. There are things in our life that we know God is not going to honor. We know they don't please the Lord. We know they don't honor the Lord. And yet we continue to water them and till them and let them grow. When my garden and my yard was growing up, so were the weeds. And sooner or later, because I did nothing about the weeds, I continued to water, but I was watering it all. And some of us today in this culture want to walk with a foot in the world and a foot in the Lord. And, and those two things are completely going in opposite directions. You can't straddle that fence. The Spirit of God is longing for you and for me to be receptive to Him being uh, built up in us with fruit and fruitfulness. That's what the Lord does. You see, healthy things grow. And when you have cultivated a heart that is ready for the fruit of the Spirit, God's Spirit begins to work in those things. Does that make sense, choir? Amen. Thank you. I appreciate it. My choir has always got my back. Well, let's continue. Verse 19 through 21. As you look back at those texts, the very first link he gives us is a list. And it's a partial list. He even says at the end things that are similar. He starts out with three words. Sexual immorality, impurity, promiscuity. First, sexual immorality, anything outside of marriage. Impurity is lustful thoughts. He's just talking about the, the thinking. 
And then promiscuity ultimately in, in several different translations uses the word debauchery. It's simply saying living for pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Church, I want you to hear me with this. This is what's important. He said, and I pointed it to you a moment ago, the works of, the desires of, the flesh are obvious. I don't think that's necessarily quite so true in our society these days. The lines have been blurred. In fact, the world says if you're not sowing seeds of some of these things, you're missing out. And I think part of the problem is that Christians have so indulged themselves in those things. How do you water those things, Brother Scott? Talk practically. We're not just talking about some analogy. Okay, let me give you the, the, the straight talk. The things that you watch, the things that you listen to, the jokes that you hear, the movies that you go to, the music that you let come into your life. You have gates into your life, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, and the things that come into your body, into your life, impact the way that you think, and the battlefield is in your mind. And you've got to take captive those thoughts that are set up against the knowledge of Jesus. And the Spirit of God, who is indwelling the believer, uh, he can be just completely vexed or quenched, if you will, when we weed those, or when we don't weed out those things and we water those weeds in our lives. But the culture around us has blurred the lines so those things don't look bad. Right seems wrong. Right is called wrong. Wrong is called right in this culture, in this day and age. And when we live in that kind of society, we better get back to where Paul was because Paul was saying to a, a people who got this very, very mixed up, the Spirit alone brings the fruit. Now, let, let's just go there for a moment. Paul writes this whole book to a group of people who are saying, we want to know Jesus. We want to live for Jesus. But another group slips in and says, yes, you do, and this is the way to do it. They were called Judaizers. And they would go back and say, you've got to do this and this and this. You've got to participate in all these activities. I, I don't know about you, but truthfully, the message that I heard as a child was often, do good, don't do bad. The, the message was, go to church, read your Bible, check off the list, do all these things, and you'll be okay. Don't do bad things. But that is self-sanctification. And again, it is a dangerous and deadly thought. That religious trap leads to frustration and it leads to faking it. There are a lot of Christians that are in here that don't have the power of the Spirit of God on their life and they're faking the fruit. It's plastic fruit. They've got plastic fruit in their life. They smile. You can walk through the hall and say, hey, walk through the, the halls and say, hey, brother, or hey, sister. You can smile at people and leave and live like the devil. And so can I if I'm faking the fruits. Self-sanctification was never the way to go. And Paul writes the entire letter to Galatia, to these believers, to tell them you must live by the Spirit. Go back to Galatians 3.3 with me for a moment. Galatians 3, 3, he says it very, very plainly. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Now again, y'all are starting to learn that I give the world's longest introductions and hopefully some short sermons because you're saying you haven't even gotten to your notes yet. I had to say all of that to get to where we are right now. I want to give you two quick thoughts. One is very simply a unique paradox. The paradox has to do with your part and God's part. How do I do this, Pastor? If you're telling me that I need to depend on the Spirit, but I need to be pulling weeds, 
how does that work? I'm glad you asked that question. Number one, the Holy Spirit works through objective means of grace. The Holy Spirit works through objective means of grace. What do you mean by that? Simple. There are disciplined practices that you can be involved in. Bible study and prayer. You can give yourself to uh, gathering with other believers, accountability. And the Spirit of God works through those things. But you got to put yourself in position to hear them. Listen, what's coming out of your mouth is what you put on the inside. Are you listening to praise music? Are you listening to songs to edify the Lord? Are you giving room for the Spirit of God in your life? As we think about this idea of Him using those means, you need to understand that those things are used of the Lord. Let me give you a statement real quick that I want you to see. Um, Very, very significant. Biblical truth, prayer, fellowship, all of these things that are there, worship, service, are means of grace whereby we open ourselves to change. I, I love this statement. Chuck Kelly, who's the president of New Orleans Seminary, said, only God can send the fire of revival, but you can hold up a match. Only God can send the wind of His Spirit, but you better have your sails raised or it'll blow right by you. And some of us are content or or either we've just gotten to the place of so much frustration or either we're lost that we don't need the power of God in our everyday activity. And so many people come to church week in, week out, and they're trying with behavior modification to just say, I'm going to do a little better this week than I did last. And folks, that will not cut it. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. I want every bit of what God wants for me. I want every dose of the Holy Spirit I can get. And I got that when I got saved, and now I need to appropriate it. I need to live it out, surrender to Him, and let love and joy and peace and patience grow as fruit developed by the Holy Spirit. But God uses objective means. Secondly, I want you to see this. He also... I think would want us to hear this, and I want us to hear that holy habits that are developed by self-discipline and efforts are not natural products, but spirit-empowered. What I'm saying is you can't read the Bible enough and pray enough and go to church enough to produce one bit of fruit. The Spirit has to bring it. And I'm saying the same thing in different ways, but without the Spirit of God in our lives, we will not have power. The Bible says there in Galatians 5 and verse 25, keep in step with the Spirit, in stride with the Spirit, live by Him. It's not what we're used to, but here's what we need to see. It's an unmistakable process. Very important. Let's skip to that next one, if you will, uh, up there. We'll we'll skip that quote by J.I. Packer. Let's go just a little farther because it's in your notes. I want to make sure you hear this. Living by the Spirit of God is very, very important that you understand it involves two things, an awareness of His presence and an attitude of prayer. An awareness of the presence of God and an attitude of prayer. You see, this goes beyond just coming to church once a week. An awareness of the presence of God. The question that was asked in song earlier, what kind of love is this. When I live my life 
aware of the presence of God moment by moment, day by day, it changes what I do. I will not walk by the desires of the flesh. You see, the Bible said that they are contrary to one another. And if I'm going to pull up the root, one of the things I can do is just live with an awareness of God in my life. Wake up in the morning and say, God, you have woken me today. You who don't sleep, you don't slumber, and you watched over me in the night, and you kept my heart beating, and you kept my lungs pulling in breath, and now I'm alive, and I want to give every bit of praise and honor and glory that's due your name. And I want to talk to you because I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I can't develop fruit in my life. God, I just want to walk with you. And the great journey that you and I are invited into is this, that we as mere creation, we as mere mortals, as humans, have the privilege of walking into the very throne room of Almighty God. And when we do, with an awareness of His presence, He begins to mold and to shape our lives. Bill Bright, who led Campus Crusade for years, had a practice called spiritual breathing. This might help some of you. It's not a a mystical thing. It was just a, a, a tangible way to think about an awareness of God. Spiritual breathing. Anytime you came to the place where temptation hit and you were uh, right on the verge of giving in to a desire of the flesh, he would say, exhale. Breathe that out and breathe it out in repentance. Breathe that out in an act of confession. Every single time. And it becomes a natural part of what you do during your day. You don't have to do it audibly. But, but whether you're at work or at home or around other people, when you're tempted to lust, when you're tempted to lie, when you're tempted to sin in any way, simply breathe that out. Lord, I don't want that. I don't want to fulfill that. And the power of God will in, inspire those things. But as you exhale that, then breathe back in the grace of God. God, I'm thankful for your give, forgiveness. God, I'm thankful for your Holy Spirit. And it's not, again, some mystical, supernatural thing. It's just a tangible representation I don't know anybody in here that goes for very long throughout their day or their week or their month without breathing, right? Most of us breathe pretty pretty regularly, pretty consistently. So why not let that be a marker for you and let that marker help you to have a constant awareness of the presence of God? I'm afraid that we have complicated this so much. God wants a relationship with you, and His Spirit will empower you to say no to things that are not of Him, and He will empower you by growing fruit in your life, but you've got to pull out the weeds. We've got to stop watering the weeds of the desire of the flesh. And that comes when we begin to understand that living by the Spirit simply means walking in awareness of the presence of God and an attitude of prayer. Secondly, I want you to see that living by the Spirit requires filtered thinking. Filtered thinking. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says this, For those who live according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, and the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Folks, too many of us have bought into this bag of goods that Satan has sold, that it's enough just to be a part of the church. It's, it's enough to go through religious activity. And to live by the Spirit means that you set your mind on the Spirit, on life and on peace. And that you let Jesus reign in your heart and in your mind. He has control. It's filtered things. 
I hear all the time parents say to young children or to their teenagers, well, you can't watch that movie yet. And when they say that, I, I understand what they're saying. Maybe you're not in a maturity level to receive that or understand that. But my question to many parents is, how old do you have to be to watch stuff that displeases the Lord? And I'm not just bashing movies, but I'm simply saying we fill our minds with garbage and expect God to bless us. And it's weeds in the garden. And if you want fruit, pull the weeds. We're to live in this world, but not of it. And I'm not saying that we have to be strange and weird. I'm saying we have to be holy. God desires us to live holy lives. And when we live holy lives, there will be a difference. In fact, you know what will happen? People will be able to see very clearly. If I do things that are contrary to the Word of God, it ought to be so blatant and obvious to everyone around me. And that's what Paul was saying. These desires of the flesh, these works of the flesh, they're obvious. And they are obvious in the life of a Christian. Let's continue. It takes filtered thinking. It takes an awareness of God and an attitude of prayer. Number three, living by the Spirit takes dying to self. And it's a long process. Somebody said this. They asked the question, if I've been crucified with Christ, why am I still alive to some of these things? Why am I still drawn to some of these things? Can I help you understand very quickly, church, before we close? Crucifixion is a long, painful process. And in our lives, we are to be daily offering our bodies as living sacrifices because we're still in the flesh. Christ shed His flesh and He has been raised victorious and glorious and one day we will be pulled out of this corruptible flesh and put into incorruption, into a glorified body. And I long for that day. But for today, I need to die to scoff and live for Jesus. Rest crucified and allow His Spirit to do the work in me that's necessary to not fulfill the desires of the flesh, but to walk by the Spirit. How do I do that? I've already shared with you. I walk in an awareness of His presence. I walk with an attitude of prayer. I, I do spiritual breathing where I just say, Lord, I want to constantly be repenting and turning to You. Here is my prayer for you and for me. I didn't put it in your notes, but you may want to grab this. And we close here. God, today, empty me of me and fill me with you. That leads to the very last fill in the blank. You need to see this. Life by the Spirit satisfies like the flesh never can. It's a permanent satisfaction. I find myself drawn to shiny things. I don't know about you. Some people in our culture call it ADD, you know. That the Disney movie said squirrel. You know, you look off and the dog finds squirrels everywhere. I, I don't know about you, but I'm attracted to shiny things all around me. But there's an old hymn that puts it always back into perspective for me. It calibrates my spiritual mind, if you will. And it said simply this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. May we be a people who experience fruitful bounty in our lives. As a church family, as parents, I want your family to experience the fruit of the Spirit. And it happens when we deny the desires of the flesh. We pull up those weeds by the root and let God do what only God can do. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for our time this morning. Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have of worshiping in this place. We pray even now that you would do your work. Lord, if there are some that need to unite with this church or if there are those who need to be saved this morning, whatever the need be, I pray that your spirit would speak to hearts and has already spoken to hearts. And now, Lord, they would respond in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.